On today's episode, we're going to be hearing from a man who spent over 35 years in the organization, but eventually left and became a follower of Christ. Today, I'm honored to have Cal Lehman with me, who was a Jehovah's Witness for over 35 years. He's here to share his story on what his life was like as a Jehovah's Witness, so anyone studying to become a Jehovah's Witness or is currently in the organization can take something away from his story. Shortly after leaving the organization, he also started a ministry called Tower Watch Ministry, which can be found at towerwatch.com. Cal, thank you so much for joining me today. It's greatly appreciated. Oh, thank you for asking. Appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. So, Cal, why don't you start with where you were with your life right before you became a Jehovah's Witness? Um, Were you attending any kind of church at that time, kind of dissatisfied with your life at all? Well, I I was uh, reared in a Christian household. You know, my parents uh, got me to church at an age earlier than I can remember, you know, so I, and I was quite active in uh, Sunday school. I got the one year perfect attendance pin. I got the little ring around it for two years, perfect attendance. And then I got a little bar to hang below that for three years, perfect attendance. And then we moved. So, but um, I I was active in uh, Sunday school. I, I was active in church. I sang in the church choir. I played on the church basketball team. I went to church summer camps. Uh, when I was in high school, I even helped um, with the younger ones going to, uh, to the church camp, <clears throat> participated in some church plays. Our church had a, a restaurant booth at the state fair. I volunteered there. So it was hard for me to be any more active, I think, in my church. I was quite active yeah. in my church. Then. Um, I went. I enrolled at Ohio State University, and I was sitting around one day between classes, talking with some other Christians, and it, I, they were quoting all these scriptures from memory, and and making beautiful applications of the scriptures. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I can't do this. I I don't know the Bible, and and the problem was, I don't know whether it was the mindset of my family or the mindset of the time, but it was go to church on Sunday, do your best to live a good life through the week, go back to church next Sunday, that type of thing. I never really got into the Bible and studied Mm. the Bible, and I never really had a personal relationship with the Lord, and I think that was the problem. So I wanted to learn more about the Bible, so I went to the pastor of our church and I explained to him, you know, that that uh, we have this big building here, and we only use it for uh, church on Sundays and choir practice on Wednesdays nights. Why, why can't we have a Bible study? And he said, well, he says, I'll tell you what, you get 20 or 30 people together, guarantee me they'll be here, and I'll start a Bible study. He said, it's been my experience that I start something like that, and no one shows up. Well, I was going to Ohio State. I was working part-time. I had I had way too much on my plate to try to go around and get 20 people to do a Bible study. Along about that time, I went over to visit a friend's house and knocked on the door, and her mother came to the door. And she, uh, I asked if my friend was there. She said, oh, she's studying the Bible. And I said, oh, really? And I mean, just what I wanted to do and, and uh, said, yeah, she's studying Bible with Jehovah's Witnesses. I said, well, I wonder if I could sit in. And I did. And I said, well, you know, we'll study the Bible with you. You don't have to come here. We'll come to your place and study the Bible with you. And they did. And, uh, you know, things uh, went well. They uh, um, one study after another and and. Uh, they would, of course, they don't study the Bible. They claim they do. They study their books, and they will read a paragraph or two, you know, a paragraph from the book, and then 
There's a question printed at the bottom of the paragraph. They that question, and then they answer that question. And every three or four paragraphs, they'd come up with a scripture they'd go to. And looking back, sometimes it was out of context. But, uh, you know, my, my thinking was, um, okay, th- these people have all the answers. Of course, it's, you know, it's kind of easy to have all the answers if you're asking all the questions, and they were. So that's that's basically where I was and and um, how I got in touch with uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. So it was pr- so really you were just really impressed with their knowledge of the Bible for the most part. It sounds like then. Well, so yes. Not that, not that you were struggling with anything because I hear a lot of stories about people who were who just hit rock bottom in their life, and then when JW show up at the door, it's like uh, you know they feel like God really sent them to be there. So it was nothing like that then. Yeah. I really hadn't, you know, I, my life was going on quite well. I was in school and all that and, and uh, didn't have a a problem, didn't have any problems. It just that I wanted to study the Bible and the pastor didn't have, you know, didn't want to take, do it. And they did. So I guess that kind of uh, solved a minor problem in my life. Sure. So let's go over, you transitioning to a JW and because it sounds like you um, did you, were you the only one that left at the time or did your wife immediately go with you when you left and how involved were well, you? We, oh, we, oh, we were, I was quite involved. You know, I got um, uh, studied and I, they have, uh, they require at least at that time you study two books and I studied both of those books and uh, got, quite involved and i think part of the reason i mean yes they i was convinced they were the one true religion because they they bring it that way they that their organization is being led by god and i eventually became convinced of that but another factor i think that uh played uh, a hand is the fact that I met a wonderful young lady who was a Jehovah's Witness, and we um, uh, we hit it off quite well, and and we 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 were married, and uh, we had four children, and uh, she passed away uh, one week before our fifty third wedding anniversary, so that was a part of the reason she was a Jehovah's so Witness, you, and I so you were single not, at the time. I was single at the time. Yes, I was single. Okay. I'm sorry. Yes, I should have brought that up. Yes, I was single. Yes. Okay. And so how, when it came to you and the organization, how I, uh, I was reading your testimony about how you even became an elder during that time. Correct. Is that, did that happen uh, right away? How long does that process take? Well, it, 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 it's a bit of a process because you have to kind of be tested and, and you have to be regular in field service. You have, you have to, you have to pass the test. Mm-hmm. First of all, I have to become a ministerial servant. Uh, then you can become an elder. But you have to be regular in field service. They, they track your time. Every month you have to turn in a form showing how many hours you are out in field service, how many return visits uh, or back calls, as they called them at one time you made, how many magazines you placed, how many books you placed. You had to report all that, and they tracked that. And the if you you had to be at or above the congregation average in hours in field service to even be considered to be a servant mm. was it 20 was it 20 hours or so that you had to do per week or uh, well actually about 10 okay. the and uh yeah 10 Usually, as an elder, you you kind of wanted to have a little buffer there and be above the the average. But generally, mm-hmm. the the congregations I was in, the congregation average was around ten hours a week. They tried to get you to do twenty, but ten hours a week. But you know, okay. I mean, it, it doesn't sound like much. But keep in mind, you've got to you know you've got to get ready, you've got to get there, and then you have a meeting before you go out and field service, and you don't start counting counting your time till you get to the first door. So, ten hours may not sound a lot, but it involves a lot more than that. Oh yeah, and I, you know, some JWs I've spoken to, they've said that uh, you know some XJWs they've said that they start counting their time uh, when they're getting ready because it was just 
it was, they said it was never a fun process for them just going door to door or anything like that. Just ter- they would always say, you know, all together, you never knew, you never knew what was going to happen when you were going door to door. Like, right. you know, you could expect the worst of the worst at those times. Yeah. I, I've had, I had a gun pulled on me. I've had dogs turned loose on me. So yeah, it's not a fun time. Believe me, not a mm. fun time at all. So let, let's talk about some of the things that you had to carry out as an elder, some of your duties, because I know um, elders, they usually have like uh, judicial committees, for example, that they're a part of. Um, can, you, can you explain to the listeners what those are and what your job as an, el- as an elder is during those uh, committees? Well, your first job as an elder, as I say, is that you are um, under a microscope. You you have to set the example for the congregation by getting, you know, being above average on the number of hours you get in field service. You have you just don't dare miss a meeting as an elder. But then you have a, a lot of duties. There's, there are elder meetings. And I remember, you know, when when uh, we had the children, uh, we would have, for example, Thursday night meeting was two meetings. We had the uh, service meeting. I'm sorry, well, the theocratic ministry school first and then the service meeting. And the meeting didn't end till nine. Then after the meeting, sometimes we would have an elder meeting. So my wife and kids are sitting out there in the kingdom hall waiting for me to get done with an elders meeting. And sometimes we get out of there 930, quarter till 10, go home. Kids have to go to bed and get up and go to school the next day. So there was a lot of, um, it, it was a difficult uh, road to hoe, as they say. But the, the part is the judicial committees, if someone did something wrong, um, you they would form a committee, interview the person. If they were found repentant, then, um, you know, they might be put on probation or something like that. But if they weren't, uh, you know, if, if the three the three brothers, three elders that were on the committee decided they were not repentant, they were disfellowshipped, excommunicated, kicked out, and no one was allowed to speak to them. And if they wanted to come back, they had to come to the meetings on a regular basis, sit in the back of the Kingdom Hall. No one was allowed to speak to them. And they had to do that for about a year to get back in the organization. When I served, I was the theocratic ministry school overseer. So that means I, I conducted the, the one meeting on Thursday night. I was a book study conductor. That means I you know, did uh, led the book study on Tuesday night. And um, you know, so, it, it, I mean, it's a tough life. When, uh, as, even as a Jehovah's Witness in itself, because if, if you like, I'll go through a week, what a week is like, if you like. And, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Monday, you're expected to prepare for the Tuesday night book study. Tuesday night, you have the Tuesday night book study and an hour of field service before the Tuesday night study. Wednesday, you're to prepare for the uh, Theocratic Ministry School and service meeting and thursday night you have those two meetings friday is a free night okay saturday you're out in field service saturday morning saturday afternoon you are to be uh you to prepare for the uh, watchtower study sunday morning you're out in field service sunday afternoon you have the public talk that's one hour and then you have an hour of the watchtower study so and, and it's designed that way purposely i remember one time when I was serving as an elder, we have um, circuit overseers that come around and they have several congregations and they visit them on a regular basis and making sure they're they're keeping in line and marching to the right drummer and so forth. They, uh, what we had done, we there were two congregations meeting in the same kingdom hall. Well, we couldn't have our Theocratic Ministry School and Service Meeting on Thursday because they did. So we had our Theocratic Ministry School on Tuesday. Well, we decided as elders, let's have the book study on Monday. So we have our meetings Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we have the rest of the week free. And we thought that was a great idea. And boy, did the circuit overseer 
oh, let go on us. He said, you've got these people out here four days, five days, and they're not in contact with you guys. You've got to spread those meetings out. So that's their philosophy. That's how they, they work it purposely. So really a lot of micromanaging by them and like a, a whole other job for you, it sounds like. So a part-time or even full-time job for the elders went with everything that, that you're required to do then. Yes, yes, quite, yes, quite a bit. You know, it's, it's several elders meetings and serving on a committee and, and uh, it is, you are micromanaged by the Mm -hmm. society. So Cal, why don't you walk us through, you know, your life um, during the, as a JW during these 35 years, the timeline, because at the beginning you're saying things are going great and you're very involved. Um, So what, what uh, were some buck, bumps in the road at the beginning you were still a, J, a committed jw at the time but things weren't uh, obviously didn't continue to go the way you expected um what what are some of the what would you say the timeline there was was it uh maybe 20 years after you joined and things weren't uh, going so great or was it here and there now uh, it was just toward the last when i really had a problem was in um you know jehovah's witnesses taught teach that jesus returned in 1914 mm-hmm. and then they would go to a scripture in psalms and they said that this generation will not pass away until the end comes then they would go to psalms and read a scripture saying that a generation is 70 years or 80 years by special mightiness so you add 80 to 1914 and you come up with 1994 1995, they came out with an article in the Watchtower saying, we misunderstood the term generation. It can cover multi-generations. You and your parents are part of the same generation. You and your children are part of the same generation. So they overlap. That's when the light came on for me. I thought, you know, uh, God doesn't tell people one thing one day and then something else the next so that that was when the light came on, and but I, I didn't say anything even to my wife for quite a while, because she was a Jehovah's Witness when I married her. She was she uh, uh, grew up in the Watchtower Society, and I didn't want to undermine her. And plus the fact that if I'd said something to her, she would be obligated to go report me to the elders because I yeah, had what? doubts. Yeah, why don't you, why don't you unpack that a bit? Because really, um, I didn't know anything about how that process worked until I started listening to a lot of testimonies of XJWs. Because you know, Christians really don't understand how the whole process of you know one turning you in and you know getting shunned if something goes wrong. Yes, if you you are obligated to turn someone in, report any violation of the Jehovah's Witness rules, if you observe it. If you don't, then you are just as guilty as the person that did that broke the rule and could be disfellowshipped for not turning someone in. I remember one time uh, when I was uh, uh, serving as an elder, and I was on a committee, and a young man, or a young man had been reported for smoking and came before the committee. Well, as it and someone drove by, saw him shoveling his walk in the wintertime, saw what he thought was cigarette smoke coming out of his mouth and turned him in. Well, as it turned out, it was wintertime and it was just his <laughs> breath hitting the cold air. And so that, that's the kind of thing that uh, they uh, put up with. And there were individuals that just absolutely looked for anything to turn turn some people, you know, peop- somebody in. I kind of think they, you know, they thought, well, if I can drop somebody down, then that puts me up and, and you had to deal with that. So. Trying to get brownie points with the elders in the local congregation. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Now, Cal, because you were uh, JW for a good amount of time and you went through and you went through the whole chaos regarding 1975, why don't you, uh, you know, could you break down? what the whole 1975 thing was about for all the non-JW listeners and, you know, what was, le- what life was like during that time for you as a JW? Well, 
first of all, the Watchtower Society did a pretty good job of being able to cover over that 1975 thing. They didn't put a lot in print. Mm-hmm. But whenever you went to an assembly or whenever the circuit overseer came to visit and gave his talks, it was 1975, October 75, the end is coming. And it wasn't like we think we know it's coming. And, and the uh, the theme that we all live by was stay alive till 75. That's what we mm-hmm. all uh, that was. That was our theme. Well. October 7th, and, and what what they did was they, they said the reason 1975 was that marked the end of, of 6,000 uh, 6, years of creation of man. So it would make perfect sense that, that God would, he rested, created the earth six days and rested. So in the Bible, a day is a thousand years to God. So 6,000 years was 6,000 days. So it makes perfect sense he would rest and bring Armageddon. Well, when October 75 came and went, they printed in the Watchtower, oh, we forgot. Uh, he would, they would, uh, God would also take into account the creation of Eve. And we don't know for sure when Eve was created. It wouldn't be years and years. It's a matter of, of months after that. So, so the end isn't quite here. And then they shut up about it. They just know more about that. That got, them, that got everybody quiet. And then they shut up about 1975. And today, I, I don't think the average Jehovah's Witness today knows anything about 1975 if they didn't live through it. The, the okay. society has buried it quite well. Yeah, I know they got just a a couple writings about it, but I think that, you know, it was, I believe it was at a, uh, a conference where Frederick Franz really uh, brought this up for the first time, I think. And then that's when everybody at their local kingdom halls was, you know, I've heard stories all the way from people uh, cashing out their 401ks and donating it to the church because, hey, we don't need this anymore because the end is coming all the way to people uh, even even uh, buying cars on loans because they think they are not going to have to pay it back. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that that happened a lot. In fact, uh, talking about cash in four hundred one k, I quit my full time job a couple of years before nineteen seventy five to full time to, to pioneer full time. I cashed in my four hundred one k, worked part time, and and used the money from the four hundred one k and did that for two years. And uh, reared a family, uh, yeah. working part time, and you know, I and as I, I there was very little time when I was a Jehovah's Witness that I felt I would survive Armageddon. Mm-hmm. I always felt like I wasn't doing enough, and I, you know, I think they kind of plant that thought in your mind. Not everyone feels that way. My wife didn't feel that way, but I did. You know, because if you if you're hitting the average ten hours a month, it's okay. Pioneer, pioneer. You know, vacation pioneer, as they would call it, which you would just pioneer for one month or two months. And then if you vacation pioneer, full time pioneer, they always it just it was work harder, work faster, work harder, work faster in the organization. But no, I I did I I cashed in the four hundred one k and uh, you know and then I had to go back to work and spent all my retirement money. It was, you know, it was kind of a tough thing, but I was convinced the end was going to come in 75. And, you know, in 75, but you still, you were still a JW for a good, almost 25 years or so after that. So what, uh, were you still confident that they were the truth? Did you lose a little bit of faith in the governing body, but not, uh, but not Jehovah God? What, where was your faith during this time when, you know, the, the prophecy when the prophecy didn't didn't pass because a lot of people actually I know left during that time. Yes, yes, they did. I I think I fell into that trap, you know that okay we got to it's when Eve was created that's when the end will come and then they started talking about other things and so I think I just kind of fell into that trap, you know I I didn't uh, I didn't really lose faith I knew uh, I knew people that did in fact I had a friend of mine who. Prior to 1975, was disfellowshipped, 
because he had mentioned he didn't think the end was going to come. He thought the society was wrong in saying the end would come in 1975. And I don't know what I was on the committee, so I don't know what happened. But evidently, he in the committee refused to rescind his remarks. And he was disfellowshipped because he did not accept the fact that it was going to end in 1975. And did they accept him back because he was right after 1975? No, I, I talked with him. Uh, afterwards, after this fellowship, which is a no-no, but I did, and hmm. he, uh, uh, he he didn't want to come back. You know, he just he was convinced that they were they were false prophet. Yeah, and he didn't want to come back. So, sure. All right. So, why don't, why don't you tell us about um, some of your doubt when it comes to the organization now? Because I know uh, you know it wasn't just you and you know your wife as well. Because, you know, both of you were both committed JWs, but eventually you both left. So was it uh, was God kind of feeding you little by little at the doors when it came to doubting the watchtower? Was it uh, um, maybe your wife that was kind of pulling you out? How did how did that whole process work when it came to seeds of doubt with uh, the organization? Well, it's interesting, like I say, the the uh, when they came out and said they misunderstood the term generation that was the final seed there had been some seeds here and there some doubts but the interesting thing i think is that that i did not say anything to my wife as i say i did not want to undermine her and my three oldest children had already left the organization we had one child still at home and my wife and i uh took a trip over to the east coast and we rented a house near the beach with some uh jehovah's witness friends other couples and we were driving back and it's a long drive from the east coast to florida or to to ohio and somehow i don't i can't remember if I, i she said something that kind of like it sounded to me like well maybe she has a little bit of a doubt so I said something to her, and she looked at me. She said, oh, you're doubting too. And we had both been holding back, had been doubting and not wanting to undermine the other. And on that trip, we talked about it, and we decided we're leaving. We're going to go back. We're going to ask our son if he wants to stay in the organization. And if he does, we'll stay in it to support him. Well, we came back, we asked him, and he said, no, mom and dad, he said, a minute, I'm 18, I'm out of here. So <laughs> we so we left. We Now, we, we tried to s- kind of sneak off together because, I mean, I mean, try to leave under the radar, so to speak. Because, you know, first of all, like, uh, phase, kind of like phase out a little bit rather yes. than get fellowship or anything. Yes, we try. We, yes, exactly. And or 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 write a letter and resign. You can always write a letter and resign, which is what I eventually did. But we we wanted to fade out because my wife's mother was in a rest home, and my wife was taking would go over there every every uh, uh, day uh, after work, and she would you know make sure everything's okay. She got, would uh, get her checkbook out for her and help her pay her bills and so forth and she had brothers and sisters but none of them were were taking that part on so if she were to be disfellowshipped or if she were to disassociate herself then she couldn't do that her mother you know she couldn't go visit her mother Uh, her mother wouldn't be allowed to visit her and i just wanted to fade out so i uh i my uh, grand, I had a grandson born, and we were out on my front porch, and they were passing out cigars. And you weren't allowed to smoke as a Jehovah's Witness. You get fellowship for that. And I thought, well, hey, I'm not a I'm not a um, a um, Jehovah's Witness anymore. I can smoke a cigar, and I smoked a cigar to celebrate my grandson's birth, and the, the next day I was at work. It just so happened my boss was into cigars big time 
and he knew all the different brands. So I was telling him, you know, about the cigar and the brand I smoked and how good it was. He said, oh, yeah, that's a good brand. Well, it just so happens there was another Jehovah's Witness there overheard that, called mm. my congregation elders, reported me. I got a phone call. Hey, uh, we have to meet with you. We heard you smoked a cigar. And I said, no, you don't. And I lo- wrote my letter of uh, resignation or disassociated myself. Didn't, I, you know, I just kind of wanted to fade off, but uh, it didn't happen. My wife was able to do that, but I wasn't. So. Okay. Just to give but- you an idea of the kind of the things that go on, you know? <laughs> yeah. you. It's like you can, you know, um, just with all the stories that I hear all the time, it's like you can just get uh, it kind of comes down to the elders, it sounds like. But you, you can basically get disfellowshipped for anything, whether it's not doing enough hours, whether it's, you know, you didn't want to go to Kingdom Hall enough or if you smoked. Um, does it really also come down to the elders and their decision? Yes. Yes. It's a, it's a committee of three elders that are appointed. And you, so they and can you show could- so they can show favoritism if they really want to. The people. They, they, yes, they could. They could. I, I, I yeah, they, they could do that. They could do that. You know, it, it's because it's bottom line is, uh, do the does the committee think you're repentant? And if they think you're repentant, then you okay, you can go on. But of course, if you do something a second time, then then mm-hmm. you, you know you can't repent if you did it again. So bingo, you're out. And, and they have different levels. For instance, um, if you um, miss turning in any time for one month, you're labeled an irregular, irregular publisher. If you go six months without turning in any time, then you're an inactive publisher. And inactive publishers are kind of put on the list. Okay, you can talk to them at the meetings, but don't socialize with them outside the meetings that they're they're inactive there were several things i think the big thing that really led up to my doubting my uh, grandmother was 95 years old she went into the hospital and she was told that she could not go back home and live alone so she had three daughters my mother was one and she had passed away and then her other two daughters were down in Florida, and she was up in Ohio. So I volunteered to take her into my home. Well, she needed round-the-clock care. I was the theocratic ministry school overseer and the book study conductor. So I went to the meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then my wife would go to the meetings on Sunday. She would stay home on Tuesday and Thursday to watch my grandma. Well, that didn't go on. That wasn't very long that they were really on my case. Look, you're an elder. You're up there every week conducting the theocratic ministry school. You have to find a way to get to all the meetings. And there was nothing we could do short of hiring someone to watch my uh, grandmother. So, and the interesting thing is, you know, you, you have to find a way, not one person offered to help, not one person in the congregation even ask how things were going, trying to take care of my grandma. So eventually they just kept on me and kept on me. So eventually uh, I said, okay, I'll give up my assignment as a theocratic ministry school overseer. And I'll give up my assignment as book study conductor eventually. And then eventually I, I just said, I resign as an elder. And when I did that, I told my wife, I said, okay, look, I'm no longer an elder. I don't have to be there. This is my grandmother, my responsibility. You go to all the meetings. And she did. And I stayed home. So I, w- I was staying home all the meetings. It was, it, it was a big relief not to have that, have to come home from work and, and take a shower and change clothes, get into a suit and tie and get off to the meeting. And I started reading the Bible without the aid of Watchtower material and started to just kind of getting a little different picture on things. And so I, I, I kind of decided then, you know, and, and I actually prayed to, to um, uh, Lord, you said, I said, Lord, I, I'm not going to go out in door to door work unless you show me that that's what I should be doing. 
And I never, he never showed me, so I never went back out in, in field service after that and uh, stopped going to meetings. And then that's when, uh, then um, my grandmother passed away at age 99 after four years. And so I did not, um, uh, that was in 1994, and I, I really did not go back to the meetings uh, much after that. I had kind of lost lost interest. And then the whole thing with 1995 came along and uh, had lost total interest. Okay. So could, you said you were – you say that you're re- you were reading the Bible at the time, and the more you read the Bible, you were losing faith in the organization – uh, could you give an example or, or two of, you know, something that really rattled your faith during this time, whether it was anything from sal- the doctrine of salvation or, you know, you just don't see any of their teachings in the Bible? What was really, uh, do you remember what was really rattling your faith during that time? It, it, nothing, in, it, there wasn't anything in particular. It was just the way uh, they had made changes in various uh, uh books various verses for example john 1 1 comes immediately to mind you know where Mm -hmm. they 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 do not believe the trinity and they change john 1 1 around the words to say jesus is a god and i i just came up with different verses like that that and and became quite aware that their uh, their bible was different because i was reading uh, uh the niv and kind of comparing it. So and I don't recall any particular verses other than that John 1, 1 that, but it, it, there were others and it just, uh, uh, you know, I, it bothered me that they, they had to make changes that changed the meaning. It, you know, uh, yeah. I, I understand changes in different translations. It, it presents it in a slightly different way. But when they changed the entire meaning, then that was that disturbed me. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like they weren't really trying to explain these verses to people and make sense of them. They were literally changing them and trying to hide them. So people, you know. JWs like you just w- weren't aware of them or anything. And right. whenever any type of organization has to do that, that right there shows that they're really not getting their information from God and right. they're not, um, you know, God's organization as they claim if this is what they have to do. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. What, why don't you walk us through when you became a Christian then, because we, I know uh, you, you and your wife were doubting the organization and you left, by the way, before, uh, before that, let me back up. Why don't you share with all the non JW listeners, how normal it is for the family to leave together like that? Because most of the stories that I hear, you know, either somebody gets uh, shunned and they're all out on their own, they're homeless, but you, you, your wife, your son, you all left at the same time. Yes, yes. My three oldest uh, daughters, they had already left. And then my son was willing to leave and my wife and I. And that was a real blessing because there have mm-hmm. I, I've known some folks that, uh, you know, and, and who their children won't speak to them and they have grandchildren they've never met. And it, it's a, it, it was it could be a real hassle. But it, yeah. fortunately, we we came out together and that was great. That was great. We supported each other through it. I think you're probably the third person that I've heard where the entire family left together. I think um, it's been, uh, I've I've lost count on how many testimonies I've listened to, but I think you're the third, only the third person where you, your wife, and at least one kid all left together. Um, It just seems like that's incredibly, unfortunately, just very rare these days with uh, all the fear that people have and you know, you just never know if you're the only one doubting or not. Right. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's very, it's very rare. And we were very blessed that it happened that way. So Cal, why don't you walk us through your, um, you having the, your relationship with Christ now, because you know, your organization, um, Tower Watch Ministries, you, you know, you say that you're a Christian on there, but, um, I want to know how. When did you become a Christian? Was it immediately after you after you left? Was it years later? Um, what or were you really struggling with faith for a while? No, I I was struggling. 
when we left, I was of the mindset that there is only one true religion. The only thing I did was prove that Jehovah's Witnesses were not that one true religion. And my mindset was open up the yellow pages, which we had back in those days, but open up the yellow pages and how many churches are there? I, I don't have enough years of my life left to go out and visit all these churches and find mm -hmm. the one true religion. And I, I was I went on. It's just you and me, Lord, just it's just you and me and my wife. And we uh, also the society puts a great fear in you of going into a church. They, they claim that if you go into a church, there are demons in there and you don't want to be around those demons. So that was an added factor. Then one day I, I have uh, uh, several bird feeders in my yard. I've got uh, probably uh, a dozen bird feeders and I use six or seven different kinds of bird feed. And one day I'm out there filling those bird feeders. And I got to thinking about this, you know, they, you've got uh, bluebirds and redbirds and you've got robins and you've got sparrows and you've got hummingbirds. And then the Lord provided them with all this different kind of food, from the little tiny thistle seed, the big sunflower seeds. And I'm thinking to myself, why would why would the Lord do this? Why would he give us the variety in so many different ways? I've heard it claimed there's no two snowflakes alike. Don't know if it's true or not. But but why would he give us all this variety? And they say, then say, okay, now when you're serving me, you all have to walk in lockstep. And it didn't make sense to me. There was a Christian lady at work who, by the way, when I was watching uh, my uh, grandmother and, and missing the meetings, not one Jehovah's Witness offered to help, as I mentioned. She came to me and she said, you know, she said, Cal, I know how important your meetings are to you. And I know you can't get to them. If you would like for me to come stay with your grandmother sometime so you can go to one of your meetings, I'll be glad to do that. And at the time, it just, I, I, I passed it off because she was a very kind lady and I thought, okay, that's her being kind. But then I looked back, no Jehovah's Witness, not a single Jehovah's Witness offered to help. She, as a, a, a fine Christian, offered to help. And to me, it was like, okay, <laughs> Lord might just be pointing me over this way. So she invited us to go to church. Fortunately, the church she was attending, they were building a new church, and they were meeting in a high school gymnasium, which made it much easier for my wife and I. We didn't have to go into a church, but we went to a church service. We went to the church service, and the pastor got up there and said, I'm not going to preach on what is you'll find in the program. I'm going to change my message. And he preached about accepting Christ Jesus as your Savior. And I accepted Jesus with that. Now, later in the church, he had my wife and I and the Christian lady that, that uh, you know, brought us there uh, on up um, on the you know podium to to interview us. And he, I said something about him changing his sermon, and he said, uh, "I don't recall doing that." And the young Christian lady says, oh, yeah, you definitely did that. But I it just to me, it was like, OK, you know, it was the Lord stepping into that. Now, my wife did not accept Christ at that time. Uh, we attended a conference over in Pennsylvania for former Je Jehovah's Witnesses. And we were over there. We were over there the first time. And I still had not accepted the Trinity. And we were between uh, meetings of the conference. And I was talking to a couple of gentlemen. And I explained to them, I cannot, I, I just can't get my hand, my head around the Trinity. And they said, well, read John, Book of John, and it'll become clear to you. Well, I started reading the book, went back to the cabin. Uh, my wife was down there talking to some folks, and I went back to the cabin, started reading the book of John, got down to John 14, 14, and Jesus said, ask me, 
anything in my name and I will do it. And I, I, the light came on. If we can pray to him and he can answer our prayers, he has to be God. So I grab the Bible. I head out the door of our cabin, head back down to where the meetings were. And there's my wife standing in a group of ladies with their heads bowed. And she had accepted Christ at the same time. The light at the came same on. time at the same time. At the same time, I went down immediately, and she was there accepting Christ. And so she accepted Christ, and and I accepted the Trinity both at the same time. And I just mm-hmm. that was uh, uh, obviously a, a God thing. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is awesome. So, what? Why don't you tell us what your life was like after you accepted Christ? Then, because I know uh, you know you started your whole uh, ministry online. Um, was that uh, per, was that pretty recently after you accepted Christ, or is that a good time later when you got everything started there? No, it it was uh, fairly uh, fairly soon after that. I'm not sure why what happened, but we we started with a uh, I started a group that would come of, of former Jehovah's Witnesses, and we would get together once a month and just kind of. So a support group just to kind of talk and and uh, some some of the folks were going through um, some problems you know and we, we would uh, we did that and then I'm not sure what led me to to do the website I just I've always kind of been fascinated with computers and technology and and uh, so started started the uh, the website I, I think Maybe my intention was to uh, uh, draw people to our support group and also mm-hmm. hopefully go out and speak at churches and help them understand how to witness, how to share the gospel with Jehovah's Witnesses, because that can be very difficult. They, their, their minds are, are shut. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully I you know, could go and share some things with them and help them understand how to do that. Tell us about that website a little bit for anybody listening here. How many, cause I was looking, you got a number of uh, articles on there. Do you know how many, do you remember how many you have about approximately how many articles are on there? Don't, I don't remember exactly. I know at one time I had a considerable number of articles on there. So I switched over to another format. And when I did, there was a lot of stuff I did not bring over. So, uh, but I, I probably in the 20, 25 articles in there, somewhere in that category. Yeah, a lot, a lot more than I have. I'm only starting with just a few. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, hey, if you people who want more, you can just go to, is it towerwatch.com? Is that the website? Yes. Yes, towerwatch.com. towerwatch.com. Powerwatch.com. Yeah. All right. So Cal, what I'm going to do, what I'm planning to do for all of my, the people that I interview is a fire round at the end. The fire round is where I'm going to just be asking you firing questions at you and you have less than 10 seconds to answer each one of them. I'm not going to comment on anything. I just want to hear the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What was the first book you read on the JWs after you left? The first book I read was the Crisis of Conscience by Ray Franz. My wife and I both read that, and it shed a lot of light on the organization that we did not know about, even though we were in it for so many years. What's one thing you wish you knew about the Watchtower before you joined? I wish I knew that all of the love they were sharing with me and showering on me was so conditional. Mm-hmm. wish I had known that. Most surprising fact you learned about the organization after you joined. You're fine until you break a rule and then bingo, you're out. I mean, they love you to pieces as long as you're marching to their drummer, but then you're out. What's the strangest thing you ever witnessed at your local kingdom hall? The strangest thing that I witnessed at the kingdom hall was a gentleman who was disfellowshipped because he said he did not think the end was coming in 1975. What was the hardest part about being a JW? Just constantly 
it, it consumes your life, every aspect of your life, every decision you make, every, everything you do, it just, it's, it consumes you. What's the one verse most JWs are unaware of? First Thessalonians 5.21, where it says, test everything, question mm-hmm. everything. The Watchtower Society says, don't question us. If, if you don't understand the teaching, put it on the shelf. You'll understand it later. God will help you understand. Don't question. What advice do you have for people who are currently studying with JWs or even thinking about getting baptized? Look closely at that scripture I mentioned, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, and ask questions. Stop and think for a moment. The Bible is saying we should question everything. The Watchtower Society is saying you should question nothing that we do. That that doesn't fit. Question. Do some research. Mm -hmm. Read some of the books they tell you you're not allowed to read because there's a reason they're telling you. You can't read those books. Right. If you could say one thing to the governing body, what would it be? (laughs) (laughs) The problem is, I think you could say anything to them, and I don't think it would make a difference. They are, they have their minds made up. But my one thing would be ease up on the people. Ease up. Well, Cal, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. It was a pleasure. And yeah, I do hope that uh, people hear your story and really um, and really t- take something away from it. So whether they're currently studying with JWs or uh, are currently a JW themselves, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you, could you mention the website again for them? Yes, the w- uh, website is towerwatch.com. Just take Watchtower and flip-flop it, towerwatch.com. And my email address is cal at towerwatch.com. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. And if you're an XJW and you want to share your story as well, feel free to reach out to us. Goodnewsforjws.com is the website. You can email us at info at goodnewsforjws.com as well. Um, Also, just one minor correction. Cal messaged me right after the interview, and he told me that he accidentally said 10 out regarding the field service hours that it's 10 hours a week it's actually 10 hours a month is uh what he meant 10 hours a month um again if you're liking this podcast don't forget to give it a five-star review too thanks for listening you've been listening to the good news for jehovah's witnesses podcast to learn more about us you can visit us online at goodnewsforjws.com that's goodnewsforjws.com